Welcome home. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. Hey folks, welcome back. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. I'm your host, Joe Lu, and today I'm joined by Pastor Lydia, who's the co-founder of 180 Church, Pastor of Transformation, and wife to Dr. Sammy. And today we're here to discuss a little bit further and a little bit more in depth about what we've been uh, having conversations about regarding new life uh, and just being carried by the wind of the Spirit. And Dr. Sammy goes a little bit into depth uh, regarding how unaware we are about what's going on in our lives, whether that's just our circumstances or even within us. I think a lot of the times it's difficult to assess where we might really stand. Um, and it's only in hindsight that we see with pristine clarity what the truth really is. And whether that's about our sins or what's going on in our lives, it's only in hindsight that 2020 is really seen. And so uh, when we're talking about sin and the sins that we don't see and the layers that are really underneath uh, maybe the perceptions of the personas outside of us, um, this is the really heart of the gospel that brings us closer to Christ. And when we can acknowledge our sins is when the magnitude of grace can really be seen. Um, and I think this is a really important conversation to have. Um, whether you're a believer or seeker, we invite you into this journey with us, the real heart of the Christian journey. And so here's Dr. Sammy. The scripture today is from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. As for you, you are dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. That is the word of the Lord. Amen. Dr. Sammy D. Kim is a Harvard-trained ethicist and co-founder of 180 Church NYC. He is a Yale Hastings Scholar at the Yale Interdisciplinary Center for Bioethics and the Hastings Center, where he explores the inequities surrounding health, immigration, and social policies, along with professional burnout. He is also a regular contributor to Christianity Today. For more information, please visit his website at samdkim.com. So speaking of new life, yesterday, Andrew and Haley had their child. Yeah, yeah. Let's give God a hand. Yeah. Tilly was born, uh, I think, a week or two early. Sometimes these kids give you trouble right away. (laughs) I think Josh was four weeks early. Uh, Nathan was three weeks early, I think. I don't exactly remember. They don't listen to you, even in in the mother's womb. Um, But, yeah, they had a healthy seven pounds, 
Haley was happy, and um, she said, thank you so much for praying. She said it was the easiest delivery ever. And I said, well, then you're probably going to have another one next year, right? Every, every, ever since I married Andrew and Haley, I mean, um, like, this is three, three and a half years ago. I'm like, you guys are going to have kids right away? No, we're going to wait a few years. And they have one. Second year, they have another one. Then they have a third. I don't believe them when they say we're not going to have any kids anymore. It's just like they're lying. <laughs> but, but praise God for that. Um, speaking of new life, it's powerful when you see. It's like, for me, when I see this picture and I see Tilly there, I'm just, how did that happen? You know, like, new life is precious and powerful. And especially when we're talking about it, I think it will really help us see that the process of new life, it's beautiful, but it's also awful. Tell someone else you awful. Well, you probably don't know what that's like, but you will one day. The purpose behind it is beautiful, but the process is awful. Trust me, if you've ever been to a delivery, my goodness. I was asking the doctor, where's my epidural? How am I going to ever pass this season of my life? This is, you know, this is gross. But, but uh, the Bible describes new birth that way, maternity, puberty. It's, it's a messy process. And that's, we're, that's the phenomenon we're exploring uh, in the next couple of weeks. Uh, so let's go back to look at that picture of new life. And today, uh, this is a quote from Mark Twain that became prolific in the 1920s and 30s as he was writing. Um, this is what he says. This is, of course, hyperbole, but Mark Twain says, When I was a boy of 14, my father was so ignorant, I could hardly stand to have the old man around. This is what my son felt like when he was 10. Uh, but when I got to be 21, I was astonished at how much the old man had grown in seven years. And if you keep reading that uh, post for Twain, he says that when, when I was 27, I realized my, my, my father was the smartest man in the world. Hindsight, they say hindsight is what? 2020. It's amazing the lack of clarity we have in the present. Have you ever um, just thought about how wrong we are about ourselves? <laughs> how good you think you are? Or how good other people you think are? And just the fact that you really don't know. Tell someone, you don't, you don't, know, you don't know much. <laughs> You're like, hey! But it's true, right? I mean, like, you think you know until you don't know. Mark Twain... In, in hyperbolic fashion, catches the idea, hindsight 2020, you think you know yourself. And 10 years later, you're like, man, I didn't know myself. Particularly in the area of, of self-awareness, and even the idea of selfishness, a lot of us think a lot of times, of course, I'm not selfish. And then you realize how selfish you are later through hindsight. Of course, I'm not self-preserving. Of course, I'm loving. We like to believe all these things about ourselves. And sometimes we inflate ourselves a little bit higher than we are. And we euphemize how bad we are. See, 
The problem with that is when we diminish our selfishness, we diminish how much Jesus had to pay. If our sin is not so great, then the cross and the redemption and the grace is not so great. So we usually magnify ourselves and diminish grace. And if I can just say this, the Christian journey is a journey of understanding the amazing, incredible richness of God's grace. Because you think you're better right now than you are. (laughs) But later on, you're like, oh my God. God, how could you love me? And God's like, yeah, you thought you were great, but now you know how great I am. How great I've been. How great I will be. A Puritan writer from the 1700s said that God only allows you to see microscopically 1% of your sin and selfishness. Tell someone, 1%. 1%. Because if you saw any more than 1%, you'll die on the spot of embarrassment. You see, more than 1% of your sin, if we got a microscope and we saw the nuance of that self-preservation and the nuance of that selfishness and the actual motive of the heart, we would die. So God's not, the cross and grace is not just forgiving you. And my wife brought this up in the podcast, if you listen to it. The cross and Jesus forgives you of the things, the sins that you do not even know of yet, that you need to repent for in the future. And you think, well, man, God, I'm so great. I've realized how bad I am. And you pat yourself on the back. Man, you see, those, those guys, they don't even know how bad they are. I know how bad I am. <laughs> you see those guys? They have, they have no humility. Me, I have some humility. Because I could quantify my sin, and I am sorry, and I come to the cross. Listen, and look, I'm crying. And then you think that God's forgiving you for everything that you've ever done in your life that you see, and that's only 1%. You know, the whole idea of eternity with Jesus, the whole idea of eternity, the whole idea of heaven is quantifying the, lavish, the lavishness of God's grace and the depth of our selfishness. God's kindness contrasts to our selfishness. And that's why the whole idea of old theologians and scholars and contemplative thinkers always talk about the scandalousness of grace. How it's all about grace. And what I want to focus on today is things and sins we do not know and how little of, of God's grace we see, those two tensions. Because if those two tensions can be grasped, and it's, again, splitting theological hairs, but when you begin to reconcile those two things, something happens in the heart, something wells up in the heart, and that's called gratitude. Jesus said to his disciples one time that those who are forgiven little love little, but those who have been forgiven much, what? Love much. The temperature of our worship usually is measured by how much grace we think we receive from God. So a lot of times you just think, well, you know, I'm not bad as that guy. So to point someone to you, not, I'm not bad as you. I know you. I see your sin. What does Jesus say, right? 
take the plank out of your eye, and then you could help them with their dust and theirs. A lot of times we miss the plank. So let's look at this text and see what God is actually quantifying what God is saving us from. So, Paul says, as for you, you were what? You were, now read that with me carefully. You were what? You were dead. Dead. D-E-A-D. Not dying, not a participle. Not hanging on a cliff. Dead. Meaning you had no hope. You were dead in your transgressions and sins. Meaning you were beyond repair. Of course, the past tense is always talking in hindsight 2020. As you were, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. Sins were so great, sins were so deep. There was no hope. You were beyond repair in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and a ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work at those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at this at one time gratifying cravings of our flesh, following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were what? By nature, deserving of wrath. Sometimes we underestimate our condition, even the condition of how Poor we are in the heart. So yeah, well, yeah, Jesus did save me from this, 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 and this. And I'm so thankful. But you didn't and couldn't see the million other things that you were saved from. Because you can't see. And if that was the gospel... It wouldn't be euangelion. It wouldn't be literally translated from Greek to good news. Because then we would be just hopeless. It would just be a Newtonian way of living, right? One reaction it, it causes an opposite equal reaction. Cause and effect. Consequences for our actions and choices. But that's why verse 4 says what? What's, what's, what's the first word in verse 4? Everybody read it out loud. But the story's not over. There's the bad news, but because of what? His great love for us, who is rich in mercy. Amen? But there is a but. God didn't mind his own business. He disrupted this deadness. See, some of us repent for the sins that we think, and it's even hard to own the sins that we own. And a lot of times the sins we own, we euphemize those sins too. We Photoshop them. We have Instagram. We have Instagram filters of our own heart. Make it a little better. When you tell your testimony to other people, you know, Jesus saved me from this and that. Well, what exactly did he save you? Oh, you know, let's not get into that. We don't need adjectives for that. Let's just talk about God's grace. Because if you just talk about God's grace and you skim over the specifics of what he's actually saving you from and the depth of what he's saving you from, then that grace is only what? Magnified to a certain degree. And a lot of times when we share our testimony, that part is weak. 
there's ambiguity to who really the hero is in our story because we don't want to share that part of the story. Then what were you actually saved from? That's the parts we missed. And the worst part about this is that there are things we're, we're not even aware of until we become aware of them. Like, for example, I get in trouble at restaurants a lot because of my sin nature. God could just compile a list of my incidents at restaurants, and it would be enough to why Jesus died on the cross for me. <laughs> right? Or on the basketball court. I mean, either, I mean there are many. <laughs> Microscopically, I mean, let's, let's just embarrassing. Let's not talk about. It. But but uh, but restaurants, like you know, I um, I think I got it under control until I don't. And then someone is holding a knife. Uh, long story. Let me tell you that another time. But um, and my wife actually saved me from that by getting in front of the knife. Thank you. And and you know and um you know so my wife was the heroine and I was I don't know what I was but. Okay, one time I was at a buffet, and, you know, those Chinese buffets, all the, all the seats look alike. And they usually order all the same things. And so one time I was oriented specifically the things I eat. I eat this wana chicken, and I usually get a Diet Coke and some dim sum. And I had it, and I sat down, and I started drinking the Diet Coke, eat, eating the dim sum. And suddenly this lady comes, taps me on the shoulder and says... What are you doing? And I said, what is wrong with you, lady? There's plenty of food. It's a buffet. And I'm drinking the soda. And she's like, you're sitting in my seat. No, I'm not, lady. All the seats here look the same. Just go to your seat. And I, I literally went back drinking the Diet Coke. And it was Diet Coke. And then... She, she, got, she got the manager. She's like, this weird man is sitting in my seat drinking my soda. And then I had to literally reorient myself, look at the Diet Coke, and I saw lipstick on the straw. I looked to my left. There was a purse. I said, lady, how did you get all this stuff here? What did you do? How did this happen? And, you know, there's a whole scene, and the manager's like, what is wrong with you? It's like, well, I'm not paying attention. Every, all the seats look alike. This lady is saying, that, uh, give me another Diet Coke. I'm not going to drink this weird man's drink. And he just put his, his, his lip in, in my, my, my straw. And I'm like, just, just perplexed and embarrassed. I'm like, I was not aware this is what happening. And I was sure, uh, if you... If you asked me to bet this is my seat, I would have told you 100% on my life that this is my seat. Until it wasn't. <laughs> well, this is a picture. You're like, well, that would never happen to me. Yes, it did. And yes, it has in your life. And you go, no, I don't struggle with that. I don't say that. No, that's not me. <laughs> and you're not even aware. And, and, and here it is. You're not even aware of the people you are hurting because you're not aware of the things you said. You didn't even know it was that deep. You didn't even care because you thought you were fine until you weren't. 
Hindsight, what? 2020. The only way you can know the depth of your sin is in hindsight. And sometimes <laughs> you don't even know what Jesus is saving you from until you can look at how unaware and lost you are. Because let me tell you right now, there's 99% of things in your life at this moment that's hurting others, hurting yourself that you can't even see that God is being patient about. And until that's quantified, you don't even really know what you're being saved from. And that's why, what, we sit, we stand, we sing. Because we don't even know how much the Savior has saved us from. How much we've hurt others and Him. We just know what we know at the moment. You know what my dry cleaner says to me? Of things I'm not aware of? You know, because I'm cheap. I like to wash my shirts first because I want to get dry cleaned. I don't want to iron it because I'm lazy, but I don't want to get it fully dry cleaned because it's like half more, 50% more. So what we do is we wash all my shirts in the, you know, washer, dry it up, and take it to be pressed. And like, you know, it's like 15 shirts sometimes. And my dry cleaner lady, she's like, do you have any shirts? Any shirts that don't have stains. Why do you bring it this way when it's stained? What's, what stain? I don't see any stains. There is literally a stain in every shirt you have. <laughs> Dry clean it, please. Don't press them. Why would you press something that needs to be clean? Well, we washed it. There are still stains in every single one. And I was like, show me. Show me, lady. Here. Here, here, here. Oh, let's stop after five. Let's just stop. She goes, are you just a slob or are you just a slob? I can never be dignified in that dry cleaners again. No matter how crisp I present myself because there are things I cannot see, stains I can't see, and that's the same in our life. There are stains that are blatant that others can see that you cannot. you want to quantify selfishness and sin, you'll know more in hindsight. If you look at Apostle Paul, he says in the very beginning of ministry, as he writes his letters to like Ephesus and others, like this book, he, he, he always says, I am, I am a super apostle just like Peter, James, and John. They're not better than me. I saw Jesus too in the flesh. I read the Bible 80,000 times. I actually work harder than them. If you read the New Testament, 13 epistles of Paul, you see it in the beginning. There is a pride, spiritual pride to Paul. But then you read after the third missionary journey, he lives life a little bit as a minister. <laughs> then he goes, I don't even deserve to be an apostle. I am the sinner of sinners. I'm not even considering those guys. I'm the sinner. I don't even deserve to be a Christian. There is this contrast of beginning being, I am the man. I saw Jesus in the flesh. I'm better than those guys. 
in the end of his life, man, I'm a douchebag. That's the literal translation. I am not fit to be a leader. I am not e- I shouldn't even be a Christian. I killed Christians. I'm the sinner of sinners. I'm the worst that God has saved. Christian maturity takes place as we begin to see not just what we think he saved us from, but what he actually saves us from. That's the love and kindness of God. Amen? So first thing, what do we learn? Amazing sin. We can't even what? See. Face palm. Look at this cat. Should all, we should all be embarrassed. I want to be embarrassed. Everybody, face palm. Just face palm. Look at the other person. Just, I mean, come on. If you really saw the depth, if we all saw the depth of our selfishness, our defense mechanism, and the way we hurt others without even knowing it and not even being aware of it, we would become humble. We wouldn't raise our fist and our fingers to be right about things because we would realize we're wrong in many things, usually all the time. That's what I've seen in the Christian life. I've seen people broken by, by self-awareness. You don't realize it until you do. And that's part of the grace that we don't see. And so let's talk about that. Let's move down. And then Paul says, And God raised us up, uh, us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages, what? He might show, what? The incomparable riches of his grace. In the coming ages. Not just millennia before then and here. Not just 2,000 years, but forever as we sing in the, in the, in the ecclesia and the eschatology of the age to come in heaven for all eternity. In the, in the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. And look, he makes a prolific argument in Ephesians 2.8, for it is by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. No one in this room can boast about how great they are, or how spiritual they are, or how awesome they are. Even though you think you might. I'm, I'm kind of awesome. I know my sins. Now you know 1% of your sin. Jesus didn't die on the cross because we're great or special. I know there's psychology that says that. You're so special. Let me give you a consolation prize. You were special when you were born. You were in, in many ways. But Jesus didn't die on the cross because we're special. He died on the cross because what? He's special. He's beautiful. He's kind. Grace costs everything for the benefactor, costs nothing for the recipient. We're the recipients of grace. It cost him everything. It wasn't free. It's free for the recipient. It's not free for the benefactor. 
And for all ages, to we're going to quantify the amazing and comparable riches of God's grace expressed in Christ on the cross. You know, when I was a teenager, I thought just like Mark Twain. My parents came to this country. They worked hard. They made something of themselves. They, they had businesses. Eventually, they bought me a home. They gave me everything to be able to succeed in life. There's no way I can say that I am a self-made man. I, would, I was given grace. But when I was a teenager, you know, I just thought I, I was entitled to everything everybody else had, or even more. Anyone feel that way sometimes? Well, they have that. I, ha I should have it. We're in the same school. Right? Just because you are entitled to something doesn't mean you deserve it. Just like this. This is how I felt when I was in high school. Well, you remember this from the, from the movie Home Alone? A kid riding a limo in New York City. I remember, uh, I would say when I was a kid, I just thought, you know, I deserved those Jordans. And I had five pairs. Because everybody else had them. I'm like, I'm like, Mom, Dad, I cannot have them. I won't be cool. Do you want to really make me face that? To not be the trendsetter? Everybody has it, so I deserve it. I need the new Jordans. I need the new Jenkos. I need the, you know, those were the ugly pants we had back in the night. And, you know, I need these German-French type of pants that no one else has. I need $100 jeans. And, and, you know, my parents gave in to my demands. And I thought they agreed with me. I also went into a limo twice in prom. I went to prom twice. My parents never, ever went into a limo in their lives. Not once. Ever. Maybe the last time when they were buried. So why would they give me something that they never experienced in their life? Even in death, they left me inheritance. I didn't have to pay a single cent for their burial. They paid for it all prepared in advance. When I was a child, I thought I deserved it. I thought they were giving it to me because I was getting good grades or I was doing well in my life. As I turn my age now, <laughs> older, <laughs> I realized I didn't deserve any of it. Why would a kid need a limo? Twice is kind of excessive. I didn't even have a limo when I got married. Why would a 16-year-old kid need to ride a limo and pay all that money when the parents sacrificed for all of that? It's because my parents were great. Because my, my parents were good. I was selfish. They weren't giving it to my demands because I deserved it. They gave it to me because I didn't deserve it because they were good. They were kind. It was love. And that's what we don't understand. When we diminish our sin and we don't understand how great our sin is, we diminish grace. That's why we 
sit down and stand up and sing. That's why we do it over and over again. Because His grace is amazing. It's incomparable. Amen? So second thing we learn what? What we're learning is the amazing grace of God that exhibits the kindness of God, the face of God, who God is, who Jesus is. That is who you're worshiping. That is who you're in relationship with. That's why the goodness of God, the Bible says, leads us into repentance. Because he could have given us wrath. And I'll go more into that in the coming weeks. But he gave us kindness. Not because we're good. We haven't been good. But because he's good. I think about my parents today. If I'm reminded of anything, any movie, any article about mom or a dad, brings me to tears because now I finally understand their grace in my life. And only when that happens in our spiritual life do we change. Only when that happens is there gratitude. Only when that happens can we forgive others. Because we could only give to others what we've been given. And if you've been forgiven this much, you can only forgive this much. If you forgive, you've been forgiven little, you'll forgive little. If you've been loved lavishly, you can love lavishly. If grace is not scandalous in your life, it's not that the cross is the problem. You just don't see the depths of your own sin. And that's what's going to be unpacked throughout our lives in the coming ages. The depths of our sin and the kindness of God. Amen? Let's stand and pray together. Hey everybody, welcome to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and Friends. I'm your host, Joe Lou, and today I'm here with Pastor Lydia, co-founder of 180 Church, pastor of Transformation, and wife to Dr. Sammy. How are you doing today, Pastor Lydia? I'm good, Joe. How are you? I'm doing great. Um, And so, we're here to discuss a little bit more in depth about, I think, something we talked about last week in our podcast about um, the very nature of sin and how sin infiltrates our lives. Um, and the real magnitude of what it does to us, right? And I think um, in this recent sermon, we're expounding upon that idea because you brought up a great point that it's not just the sins that we know of that really affect our lives and affect our flourishing and affect our relationship with Christ, but there's also so many layers and like levels of unawareness of the things that we do that we're not even, we don't, we, we can't even see, right? Um, sin is so deep within us that, you know, it's hard to take note of, you know, like what kind of sins we really have or what sins we commit. And so, um, I think we're just going to dive in and talk a little bit about, and I, and I wanted to bring up a little bit about like, um, the idea that you can't really know what you don't know. And so, um, how do we begin to even acknowledge or even begin to see that there are these underlying sins in our lives um, that we're just not aware of, you know? Hmm. Well, I think that's, it brings up blindness. Mm -hmm. And blindness is kind of the other major reason why we need Christ, right? Right. 
And because blindness doesn't just block us because we're just innocently unaware or ignorant, mm-hmm. but blindness is also there out of our own self-preservation and pride. It is right. also a there's a form of defense defensiveness. Mm-hmm. It's a mechanism also. So, um, I think the more we look into the into sin, we realize that there are layers and layers, which kind of um, goes back to the Puritan writer mm-hmm. um, that Sam also quoted in the message that w- in, when we come to Christ, we only see 1%. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the awareness grows as we grow in the knowledge of God's love. Yeah. You know, and it could only grow as we realize who we are mm-hmm. and how and what we've been saved from. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that's the thing. Instead of like making lists, because, you know, I think we have a tendency as human beings to check off and say, I got it. Yeah. Like, oh, okay, no, I get it. Like, yeah. oh, I get it. I get it. I'm a sinner. Like, and then we kind of want to check off and, okay, what's next? There is really no good news is only brought out because bad news exists. Mm. And the bad news, it's, I think it's easy to skim over it and to check off. But I think we're dwelling in it for, um, for a, a time to be able to recognize, okay, so this bad news of who we are apart from Christ, what is it really in relation mm-hmm. to who God really is right. for us? Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I think that's a great point. I know there's a very common theme if you read uh, in the New Testament about how Jesus came to open our eyes to see um, like what he's really about and who God really is about. And I think this uh, exposing us to our sins and showing us the depths of our sins and why he has come to save us, it's, it's really not so obvious to us, it seems like, I think, when it comes to being confronted with the reality of sin. And I, I know I'm guilty of just kind of had acknowledged that, oh yeah, I sin. Like, of course, like I fit that category. What are the next steps in order to ensure that I don't sin again or I don't, you know, I don't engage in that sin again. Um, but it doesn't really address the real motives and the attitudes of the heart that sin really like lurks in, right? And, mm-hmm. um, and Dr. Sammy brings up a great point that it, comes up in hindsight it's when we reflect back in our lives mm-hmm. and we see just just the depth of that you know and it, is that is that always the case because i would think that we could maybe you know forgive me for trying to be sound efficient or whatever but it would save us a lot of time if we could recognize in the moment right that we we carry all this in with us but is there a reason why contrast is so clear when we look back as opposed to if we were able to acknowledge it now well, I th- I think given the relationship of realizing things in hindsight, it's not just sin. Mm. So it's a great relationship for sin. But to answer that question, I think we really don't need to answer. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like you realize things in hindsight. Um, it is 2020 because in the moment, like, you know, we could, I guess, wrap back to even just the blindness right and blindness is not just innocent like oh did you know that you hurt me when you said that oh i didn't know it's Mm. not just ignorance right it's just blindness and even if it's possible there's a preservation that's really strong and so sometimes it's also wrapped up in pride yeah 
Um, so could we say that pride fades and you're able to see more and pride fades over time that the layer is clearer or mm -hmm. revealed? I don't know right. what the makeup of all that is. But for some reason, in hindsight, it is easier to see, mm. I would even say. Not just we're able to see, but it's easier right. to see, easier to admit to. Right. And maybe because the blunt of the now and the shame of now is kind of shaved off, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. I think there's a... I think you're right. I mean, it, it sounds like... What Dr. Samuel, what you're saying, I completely agree with because I think in the moment it's hard to catch just just like really the gravity of our actions or like things that we've said because I know I'm not the most self-aware person and I try to be and I know that in the moment when I'm like in an argument or if I'm in, in the middle of some kind of like conflict or something like that, I can see how I'm quick to euphemize like why i did the things i've done and like why i'm not totally wrong even though i feel like there is some part that i'm responsible for right it's like i'm i can see in my own like thought pattern in my own attitude it's like oh, i'm not really that at fault mm -hmm. for things and it's only maybe a week later like let's say i get into a fight with a friend i'm like oh, i could have probably done something else about that <laughs> or i could have probably said something different you know mm -hmm. and i think that's a gr great illustration i think of like just how really messed up we are right and like how much we lack clarity about the the error of our ways or just how much we do euphemize our our shortcomings and our sins right mm -hmm. that we tend to yeah yeah to feel the pain of our mistakes is painful mm -hmm. right at times yeah yes yes <laughs> uh yeah i guess I, I i just brought i just bring that up because i think it's like you know i i really i really admire dr sammy's illustration about his parents because mm -hmm. i think that resonates very deeply with uh myself and i'm sure it has for many people when it comes to their parents because you know like just like mark twain said it's it's when you're younger you think your parents are full of it or like your parents don't know anything um and they're wrong but then it's it's in time and when you look back at just how much your parents have loved you and how much they've done to love you and how much they sacrificed to love you it's that's when you really see you know who your parents are mm. right and i think in in a very similar way and just like very bluntly it's like it's like it reminds me of how i started to observe a change in my heart about god i think um and this has this didn't happen too long ago maybe a couple of years now but it's kind of like when i feel like i first was able to acknowledge just how much of a sinner i really am and um i'm not the best at confessing that I've, i'm wrong you know i i have the being right schema and stuff like that right like it's not easy for me to admit that i'm wrong but it was when i was in that moment and i saw a little bit of just how messed up i really am is when you know i think i saw the magnitude of grace i think you know because i i think it affected me very deeply mm. um and i guess i just kind of wanted to talk about that a lot because i think that's often overlooked when it comes to uh, the christian journey right like just how much 
grace is the real central theme and the thing that revolves that thing that we revolve around as christians and why we worship god right mm-hmm. yeah you know i shared my story last week about how in college i really accepted that i was a sinner mm-hmm. and repented for the first time and was born again um prior to that i really struggled with the word grace Mm. really like to the point i started asking around at one point like what does grace mean because it gets thrown around all the time like oh it's by the grace of god it's by the grace Mm -hmm. of god what does it really mean and um it was definitely a sure sign like one one of the signs of oh i definitely don't know what grace is Mm. because even though prior to that i thought i was a pretty great christian Mm. um i didn't understand grace because everything i even though i did it for the glory of god because i shared last week that i served god you know i tried to do everything for god's glory Mm. you know everything i did was out of sacrifice to love god and in effort and whatever right Mm. in my direction and you know i even went to bible college and Mm. it was in bible college that i actually came to christ um, because I admitted for the first time that I was a sinner and that I was no different. But for me, um, I did not understand what grace was because as much as from the exterior, it looked like a good life lived for Christ mm-hmm. or well lived for Christ. Um, it was revealed when grace was um, literally in my face that I had no relationship with it Mm -hmm. because, and it confronted really, and it was offensive to me because it confronted for the first time, like, oh, I think I actually earned and am entitled and Mm self-righteous, you know? And because, um, and so, yeah, I realized I don't know what grace is. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of how my journey began where I started asking, like, where am I in this gospel story? Because I feel kind of lost. Like, why don't I understand what grace means? Mm. And it wasn't just a word study. It wasn't a research of understanding the word. It was really because I don't know, because I feel like I earned it. Yeah. I, didn't, I wouldn't have said that, but that's what was revealed when I came to Christ. Like, that was what, what I was repenting for, mm-hmm. that I felt that I was in a better place Mm -hmm. than others, which meant there was no relationship with me and grace because grace is about how I am not any of those things Mm. apart from who God is. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, But um, when I actually came to Christ, the first light bulb that went on was, wow, I understand what grace is because it was the first time I received it. Mm. Before, I didn't know what that was. I didn't even know how to receive it. Like people say, people say, oh, just receive God's grace. It's by God's grace you're here. I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, you're speaking like gibberish to me. Yeah. Um, but when I came to Christ and I, I started to, uh, when, when I sang like a worship song and I sang like, uh, what song was it? Shout to the Lord. Yeah. And it's just a song about God's glory and how he's our comforter and how he loves us and the mountains will shout. But when I sang Shout to the Lord, 
understanding grace, like tears wouldn't stop flowing through, like flowing from my eyes mm. because I was so grateful that God saved me. Right. And I understood grace as I was singing it. When I was thinking about how he forgave me because I finally admitted I understood grace because, wow, like I'm so messed up, but mm -hmm. God is so good. Mm -hmm. So it was only when I really came to a place of admitting to my fallenness of my self-righteousness um, that my eyes literally opened to God's grace. Mm -hmm. And, you know, scripture talks of people whose eyes are open too, like Paul's eyes are open. Yeah. His, the scales came off his eyes and he saw what he was doing, what he thought was good in his own mind of persecuting and killing Christians at one point when he be, literally became blind. And it's when he became blind, it's almost like his own spiritual reality came to an explicit reality, right? Mm -hmm. I feel like, and, you know, theologians will say this, you know, it's not like I made this up, but, you know, and then he, his scales came off and he realized that he was a sinner. Yeah. And when he is being baptized, um, when he's confessing of his sin, you know, when he's being baptized, he's sure that he's failed mm. and that he needs God's grace. Like, you know, it's, mm. it's, I, I don't want to call it magical, but it's almost like a blindness is, I keep using this word, but like literally shaved off of you and you're able to see something that you needed all along to have received mm -hmm. all along that you couldn't receive unless you actually came to this place where you realized the amazing sin mm -hmm. and the reality that not only do I realize that I am a sinner, but wow, this goes way deep, hmm. way deeper than what I'm realizing in the moment. Yeah. And, you know, as I, you know, and this is kind of like the Christian walk, but like, even as I realized that the sin that even God was revealing in the moment in my heart, which we call conviction, right? Mm -hmm. The, and it's interesting, it's like, as I was realizing grace poured in, you know what I mean? It mm -hmm. almost like creates capacity to know God's forgiveness. It's like, as I realized God's grace poured in and to the, and the measure, it's like God was just replacing, not replacing, like overflowing mm -hmm. his grace, his love, his forgiveness to the point. It's like, you come to a place where... You know, I also didn't understand prior to this whole thing, like, if you are forgiven much, you love much. I was always like, what does that really mean? Mm -hmm. But I understood. And I understood because how it's like you are filled with God's love in the understanding that you have failed, utterly failed. Mm -hmm. And that love begins to fill you and it becomes almost like your trajectory yeah. of and capacity to live out the life that Christ has for you. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. If if I'm not mistaken, it sounds like the, the 
thought that comes to my mind is that it, it just changed everything. Yes. But there's a depth mm-hmm. of forgiveness and love that you receive mm-hmm. for the reason and the and the and the fact of being being needing needing to be forgiven. Yeah. That is so powerful. Mm-hmm. It's like the script has been kind of flipped as in like if before you realized that the depth of your sins it was kind of like life was about us or ourselves and then because it seems like what you're describing is that when you're able to see and receive this grace and receive this love there's there's an outpouring of it yes yeah yes there's an outpouring that only exists when this is really acknowledged Mm -hmm. to god before god you know Mm. like before him yeah um yeah i I think how you describe it is very visceral for me also um uh yeah i mean i think not that things changed dramatically at that instant but something clicked right and then when that that shift in my mind happened it there was definitely something different about me um and i don't think i'm i'm just saying that as like a, a self-assessment it's like i'm totally different after that moment but you know just in the way i treat other people or even how i like my self-talk or how i treat myself um like for example like today i was having a pretty bad day um and you know it's it's easy for me to get into a mindset where i'm despairing and hopeless and like uh you know just kind of down on myself and wanted to give in and give up on things but you know i think over time and even because of the transformation that was made in me uh i'm not sure what it looked like but i'm sure it happened in hindsight um that there's like a different way in which i my attitude is towards myself or my attitude is towards others and um it's not only uplifting it's hopeful it's you know persevering it's uh grace giving i think um forgiving and uh i think these are kind of the things that really when we we miss out on the full meaning and the depth of the cross and um just how big our sins really are um it's important to acknowledge that the magnitude of our sins in order to understand the magnitude of the cross and i think it does radically affect who you become and who you are Mm -hmm. and like that we can really be like the one who or we can try to be like the one who has loved us well and has loved us fully from the very beginning right Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's it is literally a new spirit coming in Mm, yeah and giving you you are becoming and being made new Mm. it is no longer the old but the new living and that is really what happens yeah yeah definitely it definitely seems like a new life like i and i'm cautious to say things like that right because um like who, who am i to say like what is new life or like how like well what the is gospel doing? says it yeah uh, you know yeah the gospel does say it um but you know i think that's kind of the invitation and the journey of the of the believer right like when it's it's really it's it's kind of amazing how that change happens right because it happens almost so fast 
um and i, I kind of wanted to ask you if you can and you've described already so well like your process and uh who you were before the acknowledgement of sin and who you were after and when you really felt like you were saved by christ but can you recall and maybe like you know trace the steps of like what it looked like to see your sin you know because i think that's mm-hmm. kind of hard to do or it's hard to see you know because i think i i got I was blessed. I almost said I was lucky, but I was blessed in the fact that I was in a community that really helped me see, you know, like kind of guided me along. and was like, hey, like you have to acknowledge and recognize these these are the things and call it for what it is. Right. These are sinful things or like Mm -hmm. uh, you hurt people more so than, you know, even though you think you're a nice guy and you're not harming anybody by being like, you know, passive or just kind of off on the side. It's like you your actions and your behavior speak loudly in the fact that they are sin sinful in nature mm-hmm. um but maybe like for somebody that's listening to this for the first time or maybe somebody that's you know really investigating what christianity is about and this being really the heart of what god is trying to save us from you know would would, would you mind sharing a little bit about like how like what it looks like to see or what it looks like to really like take a look back in our lives and uh see sin for what it is so in my experience um had to come to a place where I realized that I was not just euphemizing sin, mm. but blocking it out that I am a sinner. <laughs> oh, it was it was hard to acknowledge. Yeah, because I was I was living the life of mm. righteousness, or you know, like I was living the life of ministry. Mm. So more and more, I became involved in ministry or to doing good as maybe um, it might be more uh, easier for others to relate to, right? It was harder and harder to admit that I missed a step. Hmm. It was getting harder and harder for me to come to a place where I could accept my mistakes or that I fall short. Mm-hmm. It was, It's not that I don't make mistakes. It wasn't like that. I was human to say, no, of course I make mistakes. Yeah. But really come to that place where I could acknowledge not failure, not mistakes, but sin. Hmm. It was a very different thing. Right. And so subconsciously, in my own self-defense, I was blocking out that sin exists in my heart. Mm-hmm. Even though prior to that acknowledging or that um, that search uh, or researching, um, it was clear I was not a good person, mm. you know? Yeah. But along the way, it just got harder and harder mm. as I was more on the path of my own purpose or the journey closer to maybe perhaps what god had in mind for me Mm -hmm. um so and i think that there 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 definitely was a self-righteousness but also a self a spiritual pride that began to set in and you know it's not and you know just talking about spiritual pride a little bit it doesn't just set in for someone who's religious per se, but I think it sets in for anyone who feels um, 
I'm a little better because my trajectory is not to hurt the world, yeah, but to help it, yeah, you know. And so to come to a place to admit it becomes really hard. So yeah, sin was like not in my vocabulary, mm-hmm. personal vocabulary. Right. Um, but yeah, I came to a place where I literally felt a block, and with God, I felt a block as in. This God that I worshipped or that I was following, and you know, it's not that I didn't feel His presence before. Mm-hmm. I knew He loved me. I knew um, that Jesus died on the cross. Mm-hmm. It was really the part how that relates to me personally. Yeah, not how that relates to the world, but personally. So the disconnect was how that, how I am connected to the world. It was mm-hmm. really that. Right. And so I started feeling a block when I came to the place where I realized it. Like, yeah. okay, I, and I started, and so I started admitting to it. Um, am I, an, do I think I'm an exception? And so everything that I've been kind of um, repressing mm-hmm. to not let it surface because, it would feel like a storm of what I missed Mm -hmm. Um, or how could I not have come to this place? I mean, it's like you could could hear it. It's so prideful, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Having, you know, the knowledge of what salvation is now. But yeah, that's kind of where I was. Like I blocked it out. And so I started admitting and really sincerely seeking Mm -hmm okay, who am I in the gospel story? Like, what is going on? Right. Like, why all of a sudden I can't see where I'm going? Forget trajectory. Like, why do I feel a disconnect from God? Mm-hmm. And if the Holy Spirit is real, like, why do I only feel my own thoughts and this constant battle? Like, where's life? Right. You know? And so... Yes, I felt it viscerally, but I think I started to understand that. Yeah. And I had traces of times. So it was a slow process, but it kind of like all hit me in grace. In that in the beginning, I, I started remembering faintly. I remember like I would kind of walk away from altar calls. Oh. Yeah. Altar calls is for people who don't know who are seeking when... um. Like more in like they do this now. Like it's not really our style here because we lead people to Christ in a personal relationship because it's more of a long haul discipleship process through being in each other's lives Mm -hmm. because it's um. But altar call is after um a preacher or a presenter gives the gospel of who Jesus is. They will invite people to come forward. Um, and I remember I would always dodge those. I just couldn't, even though I had in at the time, like, okay, I think I need to do this. Um, I'd be like, nah, there's like a very visceral resistance. And at the time I couldn't admit it, but I was admitting it now. Like Mm. I was admitting like, okay, I think it was pride. Like I didn't want, I have a reputation you know, mm-hmm. it, you know, it's so weird. You think you're such a sophisticated person. Yeah. And then you start admitting that you are human and flawed. Yeah. 
like everything becomes very primal. Mm. Like you think, oh no, I did this for you know goodness and glory of God, and then you, I had to come to a place where I had to admit, like, uh, where's the sophistication? Yeah, I didn't do it because I didn't want to look stupid. I didn't yeah. want to be embarrassed. Yeah. No, I didn't want to be ashamed. So I did. That's why I didn't go to, to the altar call. It's just brutal truth. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I admit, I had to admit, like, yeah, I had. It was pride. I don't want to be seen the same as others. Oh wow. Yeah. So coming to that realization, so these memories would faintly kind of be like mm -hmm. coming from the back of my mind of repression or even repression to the back of my mind kind of to the forefront yeah and you would think like wow that's horrible like you must have felt horrible but you know what it was the mercy of god literally bringing it from the back to the front mm -hmm. god was literally showing me the missing steps and how i was missing it all yeah and um i came to a place where um for me because i grew up in a christian household i had to really understand like okay, where am I in the gospel story? Mm -hmm. And actually, Sam was a college friend of mine. Mm -hmm. And I shared this before, but I think it's maybe more um, timely because of the message. But yeah, I remember I called up Sam and I said, Sam, like, I'm feeling really spiritually off and lost. Um, do you know what's going on? And you know what? God was so good um to for sam to have said this and and actually it was clear to sam because he obviously knew what i was going through yeah and he didn't judge me like oh wait you're in bible college what are you doing oh you were lot like what's wrong with you mm -hmm. and that's kind of like the reaction i was scared of yeah you're afraid of that judgment yeah, yeah. and um but he didn't say any of that and he kindly said okay lydia so did you um you know in between two of these stories that I know you've heard, these parables, like, where do you think you stand? And he asked me and he said, do you feel like um, the Pharisee that said, oh, thank God that I'm not a sinner, like looking at the tax collector, mm -hmm. like that tax collector who doesn't know what he's doing? Or do you feel like the tax collector who's beating his chest and saying, God have mercy on me because he saw his sin. Mm. And then I was like, uh, thanks Sam. And then like I said, I'll think about that. And so that's how the gospel was presented to me. Wow. And then, um, I went to my dorm room and I was like, I don't know. How am I supposed to know? But then in my own self-preservation, even in the moment, because I wanted the truth, like it was a fight. Yeah. But I said, I think I'm the per. I mean, obviously, I'm the Pharisee mm. saying, "Oh, thank God, at least I'm not like the stupid ones." Yeah. Or the ones who are so clueless. Yeah. Or the one who knows, like, look at them; they're such sinners. Like, and um, so I said, God. So I said, God, can you show me how I am a sinner? And this is a question I've been scared to ask, but can you please show me how I am a sinner? Mm. And God graciously showed me, um, and I started writing it down. Like everything that came to mind, I had to write it down because oh. it was so elusive. Right. Like admitting to sin was so elusive for me. And um, you might think like, why was this so dramatic? Like, why did you have to like write it down? Why can't you just admit? Well, because 
I've been fighting this all my life. The yeah. fact that I need a savior. Yeah. And so it was important for me to like really on concrete write it down so that I wouldn't deny it. Yeah. Because I think I was seeing like, wow, you would deny to the point of forgetting this. Yeah. Because you know, so many times I think that's what we do though. Mm. Like it's happened before. I had all these memories where I could have, but you just kind of disregard yeah. and forget and you move on right. and you hope to not remember it again. And if you don't remember it again, it's kind of like convenient forgetfulness, you know? Yeah. And that's kind of how time has rolled for me. So, um, yeah, so I started writing it down and... I didn't really know his voice per se, but I knew that what was being revealed in my heart to conviction, in my, in, and, and also in my need and desire for truth, it was very clear that God was showing me. And it was not at all like judgmental. Hmm. He was just showing me like, okay, let me show you. It felt like that. Like, yeah. let me show you. And he showed me like, Lydia, do you remember when you were you know, young, you cheated on that test mm -hmm. and you knew it was wrong, but you cheated because you were desperate, Yeah. you know, or, um, do you remember that time, um, you lied and you clearly knew you shouldn't have, but you did because you wanted to self-preserve mm -hmm. like things that you don't even think like if anyone finds out it, it, it wouldn't even affect them. Yeah. You know, like, or do you remember, I don't know, like so much. And since then I know so much more, yeah. you know, of how messed up I am. But it was kind of like slowly God was showing me. And you might think this is a little silly, but he even showed me like in my heart, like I felt convicted even of this. Do you remember that time you were so angry? Like you started stomping on ants mm -hmm. and you would think, oh, it's ants. Ant. But actually God was like, your heart, that is not my heart. Not that like stomping on an ant is a sin, yeah. but it was the motive right. of anger and how I maladaptively take it out yeah. on something right. because of pain or because I felt mistreated or, and then he was just showing me as ants as an objective, you mm -hmm. know, or more like a subject, right? Yeah. And he was showing me what I was capable of in my heart. And lastly, and, and this is the part like he kind of in conjunction, conjunction tied it in and how you are and again it wasn't an audible voice but it was like more of a knowing and how you are um basically throwing your fist at me and saying god i am not like everyone else and um he showed me that basically i've been worshiping myself wow it was a self life of self-worship to make myself great to make sure i stay great I would have never admitted that, but that's basically the trajectory apart from God. Mm, yeah. And on that day, when I realized that, um, is when I realized that I am because of sin separated from God. Yeah. Because I'm not, a, I don't want to admit to his gift. I didn't want to admit to the gift of salvation. I didn't want to admit that I needed him really, mm -hmm. even though to, in front of people, I would have said, I need God mm. or I want to know him more. Right. So the real, like the deep motives of the heart were, were revealed. Mm. So that's kind of like how the process was. Right. Thank you for sharing. That's, I think there's 
there's something that comes to mind. I think there's like a term for that. It's, you know, I think they say it's like when you meet your maker, right? Mm-hmm. Like you kind of have to face the reality. And I think I really like that phrase and, you know, it just popped into my head because it's kind of like you, you literally had a conversation about yourself with the person that created you and like really had a very self-critical assessment about who you are. And, um, you know, I, and I picked up on just how blatant the realization of your sin was like, you're right. I think there is like an element where, um, you see it for what it is and mm-hmm. you know, you described it as primal and it's like, you know, there was just bare bones, honest yeah. reflection of like, mm-hmm. I am not a good person. And I think that's a, such a hard conversation to have, you know, and I, I know, um, the, the idea that we're, there are good people and that we're good people and that I want to be a good person, um, and realizing that you're not and that you're inherently messed up and, you know, um, seeing that those aspects of you is not an easy conversation or like an easy realization to have. But I think um, just like in your story, it's like the most important conversation to have with yourself. Right. I mean, cause how can you really know what you're capable of? Like you, like you mentioned, because I think the illustrations that you presented about, you know, stomping on ants and stuff like that, it's, it's really capturing the motive of the heart. Like we have the capacity to hurt, Mm-hmm. and the capacity to be like very selfish or the capacity to um want to appear great in the eyes of people and like not be secure in mm-hmm. the love of god I, I, that's that's so brutal right mm-hmm. i mean that's that's such a it seems like on the exterior that could be such like a self-deprecating way of viewing yourself but um you know i, I guess my next like follow-up question is just just did that contrast for you about like your sinfulness and God's grace? Like, was there like a, like a huge escalation of acknowledging who God was? And, you know, I'm just wondering what that looked like. Cause I think I have a picture of what that looked like in my head. You know, I thought the, the verse that like everything I have or everything I could do for the Lord is like filthy rags is like what comes to my mind because that's how I honestly felt after um my my realization my revelation about uh grace and sin um and i'm just wondering you know do you would you mind sharing a little bit about that too about what was next yeah because um what did it look like where did it go from there yeah yeah so the temptation in the room because i was alone when i was coming to terms with all this right the temptation in the room is it's almost like a whisper all of this could go away Wow. If you just deny it. Or like know? move on from it. Like, yeah, oh, just it like, happened. Come on. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, I think that's why when God says, if you seek me with all of your heart, he will be found by us, right? Mm-hmm. When you seek him with all your heart, he will be found by us. It's true because although the temptation was, this could all go away and you could go back to who you used to be. And no one will know. You know, and you will have known because now, you know, you know, it's kind of like another layer of like, oh, but see, you'll know, just check it off and move on. It was kind of like that. But it's not really acknowledgement, right? I haven't really accepted bad news then Mm -hmm. that there is bad news. I'm just like trying to be like, 
all right, I think I know how to kind of, I know the loophole, yeah. but there is no loophole. Right. It's kind of like you found out bad news, but you don't want to share it with people. Yeah. Yeah. So the, so the temptation being that, that this could all go, all go away, I was very desperate. And this is how I know I was sincerely seeking. It wasn't to better my reputation. It wasn't to, I don't know, have some epiphany. It was literally because I knew that I was separated from God. Mm-hmm. And so when you realize that you, there's only one thing, you need God. Yeah. <laughs> like you realize how much, you know, the cross, like when it starts hitting you, like I am this much away. And it doesn't matter if I'm an inch away from the cross, from admitting to the cross, mm-hmm. to a mile, it's all the same. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. I'm not talking about like seekers approaching closer and closer and coming to a knowledge of who Jesus is. I'm talking about like if your denial is, you know what I mean? You're to the separation of your sinfulness. Yeah, and if your will and your motive is to separate, to make yourself an except, exception, it doesn't matter what you think is just a small, small inch of gap. It is a huge gap because mm-hmm. it is still a gap. And that is kind of the point that we're separated from God yeah. apart from his grace. So I called up like a friend and I, I basically said to my friend, I said, hey, I know you're not going to believe this, but this is kind of like my situation and I'm calling you. And to me, it didn't really matter. At this point, it didn't matter who would lead me to Christ. Mm-hmm. It didn't matter how it was done. At this point, it was just important that I met Christ, yeah. that I accepted Christ. And so what I did was I just called a friend and said, I need to come to Christ. Mm-hmm. And I didn't care if the person believed me or not. I just needed an outside voice leading me in to know Christ. Right. So that's what I did. So you exposed yourself. Yeah, to I others. exposed myself, right. and I brought in a witness, basically, right? Because it was—it's too elusive mm-hmm. of a moment and of truth. Right. So, yeah. So, my friend came, and I said, I just said, and the you know I thought about it, like I could lead myself to Christ, but mm. what if I lead myself to Christ and I go back into denial? Right. You know, and I didn't want to leave it up to chance yeah. of my own doing. Yeah. So, yeah, I brought in a witness and I asked my friend to lead me to Christ. Mm-hmm. So one of the first steps you took was to, you know, kind of form a personal accountability. Yeah, exposed it. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's, that's I, I mean, that's pretty brave, right? Like, it's because the temptation is, and I... I this is very visceral for me because I'm very good at like hiding and like, you know, just kind of being very shifty with my behavior and like, um, like my own, that's like my own sinfulness. I think it's just, I'm very like manipulative with situations. Mm-hmm. Um, like if I were in your shoes and I've been in probably there many times, it's, I, the temptation to hide behind the perception or like the seeming like, Oh, everything's going to going. Okay. Or everything's fine, like everything's under control, like my salvation is under control. It probably would have been <laughs> like, you know, spoken very loudly to me. It's like, oh, no one can know about this. Or like, this is so embarrassing. Like, how could you have like lived this life that was almost like a lie and, you know, expose it to others, right? Um, w- was it difficult for you or was it just like, 
I need this like this like like you had a serious intervention and you wanted to change you know you call it brave but for me it wasn't about bravery it was about now I'm I need to survive out of this that was like necessity yeah oh so I had to do it like I said I didn't care who or how or in what way yeah I just needed I just knew I have to come to Christ right so yeah mm. I was desperate because I knew the truth for the first time mm. that I needed to come to Christ. Wow. Yeah. And steps after that, it was difficult as well. Because after I came to Christ, I felt like I knew I was made new. Like I knew the spirit lived in me. Because yeah. now um, it wasn't my own living as it used to be, but the Holy Spirit was in me and leading my life, right? Right. But now, I so what I decided was um, I'm going to tell as many people as possible that I came to Christ, yeah. So that all my self preservation is defeated. Wow. So I just went around telling people, "Hey guys, I just wanted you to know that." Um, I grew up Christian, but it was only recently that I ex realized mm. and um, I repented. And it's the first time that I came, like I really came to Christ. And it's the first time I understand what grace is. Mm. And some, some were like, wow. I actually, Sam, when I, when I came to Christ, he, he actually said, welcome to the family. And it really felt like Father's heart. Yeah. And I think that's why I really like loved him because he was very gospel minded. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, thanks. And like, but it, that wasn't the reaction. Like mm, what I wow. feared was kind of like it also happened. Right. Some were like, what? You're like a leader. How could you come to Christ now? Oh, wow. I thought, you know, I, I'm not sharing this like to say, oh, wow, you went through all that. But I think we think when we come to Christ, all our problems go away. Yeah, it's like all, all our worst fears go away. Right. But no, actually, um, it's not that problems go away. How we deal with it changes. Yeah. And who we are changes. Yeah. And so, yeah, I I got all sorts of different feedback. Some mm -hmm. people came to Christ because they realized also through this, the parallel of how they totally missed it. Yeah. Um, because it's very easy to say, I'm going to do this for God before you realize what God has done for you. Because right. it seems like such a great cause. Yeah. And it's like, oh, what could be so bad about that? Yeah. You know, so it's easy to miss these, the the juncture or like the place of the cross, I think. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So some people came to Christ. Some people rededicated their lives um, to Christ. Um because they realized how far they were from the cross. Some people said, oh, I was actually ahead of you all along. I thought you were always ahead and I thought I was going to be behind you all my life. And mm -hmm. I was like, well, I didn't know you even thought that. Yeah. But even those moments, did my pride get hurt? Because pride doesn't just go away. Yeah. You're submitting your pride to Christ, admitting that you have pride mm -hmm. and saying, God, I need you. Right. Save me. But did I feel pride in those moments when I felt poked? Mm -hmm. And of course I did. But, you know, what was different was instead of feeling like um, self-preservation, I was like, you know what? You're right. I didn't know. 
Like, I remember saying to the person, like, you're right. I didn't know. Mm-hmm. I never thought I was ahead of you. Like, I just never thought of it that, that way. Yeah. I didn't know it was a com- competitive thing in that way. But, like, I said to the person, you're right. I didn't know. Mm-hmm. I missed a huge step, the more, most important step. And I was like, whoa, there's, like, a humility that I didn't even know that I could have. Yeah. In when you're, you know? Mm-hmm. So I knew, like, well, God is really at work in me. And right. it didn't really matter. You know why? I felt like I have God. Like, it really felt like it, none of this really, really matters. Mm, wow. You know? Yeah. So life really turned around. And, yeah. So yeah. I'm just thinking back. I'm just grateful thinking about it. Right. For that. Yeah. yeah. You have a ton of clarity on it, too. I mean, I was just <laughs> going to ask, like, was this an uncomfortable process for you? But, you know, it seemed like it was both uncomfortable and at the same time liberating. It seemed like because you. Yeah, it was liberating. Yeah. Like there's like a very different humility about being able to admit. It's like, yeah, I mean, that's like, that seems like such a hard conversation to have with somebody that you just received judgment from right like because that's essentially what happened like they were like you received both ends of being judged like which is what you feared and you know people resonating with your story and coming to christ for it it seems like this is very difficult tension that you underwent right but like it 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 all gets put into perspective because you feel like you had god yeah now Mm -hmm. yeah there was like a certainty that I had because I knew I was on the right side. Like, you know, we say that. I uh, like, let me just clarify. I mm. was on the right side, meaning like God was in my life. Like I was reconciled. Yeah. With God, and for me, that's all that mattered. Right. Yeah. That's so if people misjudge me or if people think this about me or that, it didn't really matter. It, it at the end of the day, it was like. Okay, but do you do you understand that God loves you, or like, do you realize that I was not what you thought? Mm-hmm. Like, all of a sudden, it became Christ-centered. Like, everything was about like, okay, do you see Christ still? Like, forget that. Like, do you see Christ? This is He saved me, mm-hmm. and that's also when I became missional, not just in doing and hoping, but I really understood because I realized how dead we are without christ yeah so when you begin to see a world that is mostly dead and needs to be made alive you know what i mean Mm -hmm. the whole purpose of why you live changes Um, oh but i was gonna go back to the fact that like i understood what grace was i was just about to ask you is that what grace is yeah i realized that knowing the definition of grace was not really what i needed like i needed to experience it and for the first time i understood what grace was right and that was what was really amazing like oh this is what grace is yeah it's something I had to receive because it's something I couldn't have gone on my own. I yeah. get it. Like, it clicked. Right. It really clicked. I feel like, yeah, I think grace is definitely something you have to experience because I don't know if you can really describe, as well as you've described it, I think I think people can understand what it is. Like, what I'm drawing uh, an analogy to is that you can understand what a roller coaster is, right? Like, it's just like this physics contraption that 
you know, creates this G force that makes you feel funny and you could see it. Right. <laughs> but but you don't you don't know what that feeling is like to be on a roller coaster or to have experienced a roller coaster, right? Like if if you talk to anybody that comes off of a roller coaster, they'll be like, Oh, that was so much fun. Mm. As opposed to being like, Oh yeah, I understand it's like a weird metal thing that, you know, loops and stuff. Right? I think Grace I think like I'm always pretty fixated on like definitions and making things clear and like defining things, right? But grace is one of those very elusive things that I think just can't be captured with words, and it's it's like you know it or you, or you don't, which is kind of yeah. the thing. And I think like it's 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 shown in the gospels with like the apostles, and I think it's shown in the way that people's lives transform, right? Like there's no way you can pinpoint exactly what grace is for each person but you know when it happened or like what it looks like when it happens right yeah because you know we look at the apostles and it could seem like wow they were so bold and yeah the bible makes it clear that they were filled with the spirit and were given boldness Mm -hmm. but boldness is something that god gave them right Mm -hmm. but what made them want to go forward with preaching the gospel even to the point of death is because of the amount of grace they received Mm -hmm. like it was the grace that the amazing grace that they experienced that made them go the extra mile even to the point of death. Yeah. It was the grace that they received, that Paul received, that made him, in spite of where he came from and the persecution he received for everything that he did, and even receiving judgment with Christians, and even in the face of opposition of his own people who are Christians, because they couldn't at first really accept, like, how could he have, right? Yeah have no our lord Mm -hmm. he was such a hater but yeah even that process of receiving the forgiveness but yeah it was the grace of god that made him not fear death but even in the face of death love the lord love others and um wanted people to know the love of god Mm -hmm. because he experienced that love so powerfully you know yeah so yeah, there's boldness, but that boldness is not just out of a vacuum. It's not just, the spirit doesn't just give that boldness. It's because that grace is there. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what makes us do mission too, right? It's yeah. not like because it's only the right thing to do, but it's because we've experienced grace and this grace is so generous. Like how you, how, I was going to say, how are you not going to share it? You know? <laughs> yeah. But like, how do you not share it? Yeah. You know? Right. So that's kind of an outpouring, I guess. Mm -hmm. And in the end, yeah, we step out to do do it, but really it's because of what God has done. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I think a lot of people fear what will happen if I admit to this. Mm -hmm. You know, and if I admit that I messed up or if I admit that I know I'm a sinner because I know I could lie to you, but I can't lie to myself. Mm-hmm. You know, um, if we admitted what will happen and I think 
a lot of times because of that fear of self-preservation or fear of being exposed. And it's not just shame, but like bearing responsibility and to own can be so scary that I think people run away from who God is. Right. But God makes it very clear Um Paul writes this, that it is for freedom that Christ has set us free mm-hmm. so that we will no longer be bound by anything, not by the expectation of man, not by the law, not by anything, but that we would be free, mm-hmm. like really free indeed, right? But I think in fear, you could totally miss that on the other side is love, light, um, victory, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to encourage like seekers who are there or even just like you're a Christian and you're realizing like, I'm not really, um, I don't really understand what grace is. Mm-hmm. Never really came to terms with that. Or you've, you were realizing you're kind of like a nominal, meaning like you've grown up, grown up in the faith. You don't deny it per se, but you never really came to a place where you um, came to terms with who God is and what he has done for you. Mm-hmm. Not just in life, but on the cross um, as um I had to come to that place even as a pastor's kid or someone called to ministry, all these things so complex and complicated, right? But actually it's not. You know, people come to Christ at different times. Yeah. And um, God's not at all pointing fingers like, why didn't you get that? Yeah. There was no condemnation in the way that I came to Christ. People might judge, but God never does because yeah. God sees us without titles. Yeah. God sees us with hey, you're my child and I want you to see me. I want you to come to me. So for those that are in these different places where you're just kind of like self-preservation or fear um, away from approaching the cross because you've come to an understanding like, I am a sinner, I need Jesus. I would say move forward. Mm. Move forward and move on and come to the cross because there is liberty um, on the other side. Mm-hmm. And my life has never been the same since that day because God entered my heart. He entered my life. Literally, the one who lives in me um, is amazing. The one who lives in us, right, mm-hmm. is greater than the one who is in the world. Like, he not only helps us overcome battles, spiritual battles, and the hardships of this life, but he helps us overcome our own um, struggles and um, our own desire for good. He helps us. He leads us. He is. He becomes the very path um, of guidance. Like. He becomes the shepherd where you're literally able to say, because he is my shepherd, I really don't need anything Mm -hmm. because he becomes so sufficient. So yeah, my life has never been the same because I've never been left alone or abandoned since. So 
liberty and acceptance and love and grace and the power of God is on the other side. So I want to just encourage people wherever they might be um, to come out into the light, come into the light, Yeah. you know, to come out of hiding and come in because God's arms are open wide. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, I think it's, uh, I think this message was timely and I think um, your encouragement for seekers and believers is also very timely because I think uh, as much as I, I'm sure that I've received grace and I'm still learning a lot more about grace because, you know, like you said, uh, grace n- didn't really come easy for me at first and mm-hmm. it's still it's still not easy. Um, I think it's a constant reminder and it's a good reminder of how much we need grace, like every day. You know, I think um, it just doesn't like it's not just finished like life isn't finished just because we've accepted crisis really just begun right mm-hmm. and i think uh, it's it's so easy to lose sight of the person of grace in our lives every day especially like um as time goes on and you know uh being a couple of years removed from having i think initially acknowledging sin and uh understanding grace in my life um returning back to that place where you know we found christ or we found that person of grace is just a just a really great way to to stay grounded right i think like we are terrible at self-assessments and being aware of where we're at at the time at the given moment i'm experiencing that week in and week out but to know that we are who we are and we are becoming who we're becoming and this relationship that we have with Christ is somewhere we always have to root ourselves to in order to make the proper assessment of where we're at. Um, it's just a, it's just a great way for us to really stay connected with God and not lose ourselves. Right. Yeah. You know, actually today, Sarah Young, I read this devotional called Jesus calling from Sarah Young. Mm-hmm. And she actually talks about receiving grace oh, yeah. and how it is a spiritual um, discipline mm. to daily receive i mean the bible says that god's mercies are new every morning yeah it's kind of it's a beautiful picture right like just like the morning dew yeah like just like you wake up and it's there and you're like oh why are the leaves what didn't rain it's the morning dew Hmm. i don't know what it is scientifically it's just beautiful Hmm. but it's just like that mercies are new every morning and all you have to do is acknowledge yeah his love each day. So, and she actually writes that, you know, today, um, receiving grace is a spiritual discipline Mm. and something we need to practice each day. Not on the days we feel God's love and that he's forgiven us and, and hope that he forgave us on the days we forget. No, because the truth is who he is same yesterday, today and forever. And he does not renege his gift of salvation, uh, just give his gift of grace. He never forfeits that from mm. us, right? Depending on how he feels about us. It doesn't work that way. So each day, receiving that mercy, of it's the mercy of being able to acknowledge that we are loved by him, mm-hmm. that we've been given grace by him and that by this grace we live today 
and walk in righteousness, right? And she also talks about, and I just love the devotion. I would totally recommend it to anyone who's walking in faith or even seeking. But, and this is what I believe, you know? And she also talked about um, in the midst of all that, because the enemy, and we talked about this all the time. It's in the scriptures, John 10, 10. Um, the enemy has come to kill, steal, and destroy, but Jesus has come to give us life to the full. So in receiving the fullness of Christ each day, right? We're aware that there's an enemy who tries to steal that. And what would he really try to steal? He would try to steal the alertness and the awareness of who God is, the awareness of how close we, you might be in um, understanding God's grace to come to Christ. It's the awareness of how he loves us. It's the awareness that how he is with us. The enemy will ultimately try to steal, and she calls it confidence of, of his love. Mm-hmm. Because if the enemy could create a rift between our confidence in relationship with God and how he feels about us, then in that abandonment, so much um, darkness and so much division happens Mm -hmm. in our hearts, right? So that's what the enemy is after. So to recognize that and to, so therefore each day to um, receive his grace. And to live in a posture of receiving God's grace mm-hmm. and acknowledging His grace is so important. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Is there a way in which we can practice that? You know, if mm-hmm. if receiving grace is a discipline, um, what can we do to facilitate more of that? And, and again, like I... I say that cautiously not to fall into the trap of just like checking things off again, Mm. like we discussed in the beginning of this podcast. But, um, you know, with that in mind, is there a way for us to continue sustaining, um, you know, a life of grace? Yeah. You know, I think it wraps back to everything in the last few weeks. You can go to church and and make go each day and somehow make it about yourself and your own progression in life right mm-hmm. well i guess i could say this in my perspective like that's why the preaching of the cross is so powerful because it reminds us the very crux right i think crux literally means cross right yeah. it reminds us of the crux of our faith mm-hmm. it's like Right when we think, oh, okay, it's about us, uh, us flourishing. Oh yeah, flourish, flourish, flourish. Well, um, and this is what Paul does constantly in the yeah. in the epistles. Like he'll say, well, because of the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ. Like yeah. you know, he'll bring it back, and it's mm-hmm. very clear when he says grace, he doesn't mean just a grace, a provision. Yeah. It's the saving grace. Like he almost repeats himself. Yeah. It seems redundant, but it's not because we tend to forget. Yeah. Right. Or me as a worship, um, when I lead worship, it's so easy to sing songs to match how the generation might feel. Yeah. Or easy to sing songs so that it almost clicks and vibes with the generation of people, of seekers we're trying to reach. Yeah. So that there's a contextualization, you know? Mm-hmm. But 
without acknowledging who Christ is and why we worship Him. And I guess this goes to the whole point of worship that Sam was talking about, right? Without acknowledging why we worship God, mm-hmm. because it could easily become, oh God, this is how I feel, yeah. and you're there for me, you helped me pass that test, yeah. like thank you, God. God, why weren't you there? It could easily become that. It's about us. Yeah. Yeah. And our progression and our flourishing. Yeah. So that's why we sing about Jesus. Right. So it, you know, it's like almost like simple. Like, how do you keep? I don't know. Like, how do you keep keep? It's like stating the obvious mm-hmm. because we're we're so um, self and preoccupied by nature, yeah. and we're being changed. Yes, but that if we don't gather in the name of Jesus, like even if you gather for the sake of gathering and don't gather in the name of Jesus, you can forget. And you could be with a bunch of church people and it could be about something else. Mm -hmm. But that's why in the name of Jesus, we gather in the name of Jesus, we pray in the name of Jesus, we be, we overcome. And that's why in the name of Jesus, we sing in the name of Jesus, we worship. Yeah. And so that's why Sam keeps saying, like, none of this standing up, sitting down, standing up, sitting down. It would not make sense unless you really understood the grace of Jesus Christ, right? So, yeah. How do you keep it in the middle? By making sure that it's about Jesus. Right. I I mean, that's (laughs) the first thing that came to my head, right? It's like, the point is Jesus. The point is the cross. Because, you know, because I think there's always a temptation to leave Jesus out (laughs) of everything. Right. You know, and you could do it in the name of, oh, I don't want to be too spiritual. Oh, I don't want to be like mm. too optimistic. I don't want to assume it was God when it might have been just like luck. Like yeah. in the name of all those things, God is always taken out. Like Christ has taken out. The grace has, gets taken out. But so that's why we have to make sure right. that why we do what we do and why we live and why we sing is about Jesus Christ. Right. Because, yeah. So for me, like, I always, and maybe this is a practice over time that has become part of my life, but everything is about, like, there's like a, almost like, there's always a picture of a bridge for me, like that, mm-hmm. that wasn't available on my own merit, but it was made ex- available and accessible to Christ. So I always try to make the connection. Mm-hmm. And I guess I just say that to, um, to make a point, like we live in a world where Jesus has literally come to give us fullness in him. Yeah. But a lot of the enemy will come and say, yeah, you're meant for fullness. Yeah. But why do you need Jesus? Mm-hmm. You could have fullness. Like, this is the world we live in where the enemy is constantly battling um, to rob us from our step closer to Christ. Yeah. Whether you're seeking or um, walking with him. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So, it's a very, ob- I, like I said in a few podcasts before, I'm like the queen of obvious, but <laughs> I think it's about making the obvious obvious. Right. And because it, it's so obvious. Yeah. And it, <laughs> It seems like it, this all really stems or it, this all really takes root when we really see our sin. Because 
when we diminish sin is when we diminish Jesus. And then Jesus doesn't become the obvious for us anymore, right? And and Jesus almost becomes something in the back burner or something that's like more like subtle, like like a detail in the grander story. But the grander story is Jesus and we would miss out on it if we didn't make everything we do or all that we do about the cross. Yeah. It's not how the very obvious point and person gets completely taken out. Mm -hmm, yeah. And you could go through all the motions. Yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty dangerous. Yeah. I mean, that's why we gather and go to church. Mm -hmm. And we preach about Jesus. We sing about Jesus. And, um, yeah, we're reminded about Jesus. Mm, right on. Yeah. And I thank God that it was at Bible college. I mean, it was because it was a Bible college. I was around Jesus, you know, mm -hmm. that I had to come to terms with that. So, yeah, I think that's why it's so important that, um, you know, that we don't euphemize what is really true. Yeah. So as we um, end, I want to refer you back to the ministry time where um, Sam, Dr. Sammy prays um, and leads people in a time of prayer of really coming to a place of um, understanding and acknowledging who Christ is. Um, and it's a really powerful time. And so I encourage you to end on that and to have a week of reflection and really asking the question you know who is christ mm. and who is christ in my life yeah. and really recognizing him for who he truly is and not what we only want to make him out to be and i think that truth is really what sets us free and that truth sets us free to even know freedom in a greater way so God bless you guys. And yeah. Thank you Let's very much. Oh, <laughs> no, 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 no. Thank you very much for this awesome conversation, Pastor Lydia. Thanks, Joe. And uh, we'll see you all next time. Thanks so much for listening. Will you pray for the revelation of grace? The incredible, amazing grace of God. That he has loved us with an everlasting love in spite of knowing all our wickedness. Wickedness we can't even quantify today. It'll take an eternity to quantify. I think about how I behaved to my parents as a teenager, yelling and screaming. And most people considered me like an angel. I think about that, the attitude of my heart toward my parents. I think about how I see them and they're not here anymore. I wished I could have expressed the gratitude then. And one day I will be able to. Let's today just spend a moment reflecting on how sinful we are. And that's not to make, us, make you feel bad. 
That's just to tell you how, how things really are. And in spite of that, God loves you. Completely and holy. He'll take you as is today. So Father, we come before you this afternoon. And we come back to the cross. A lot of times, we mistaken the idea that when we ask others to forgive us, that it's free. When forgiveness cost something every single time. God's forgiveness for our selfishness and our self-preservation and the sins that hurt others in our life isn't free. In fact, it cost everything. This is when heaven stopped. The wrath of God was poured on the cross to Jesus. And this is why I think a lot of times our worship is shallow and superficial. We're not really sure of what we're being saved from and to do what degree we've been saved. If we diminish our sin, we diminish the cross and its power. If we've been forgiven only little, we can only love little. today I pray that tokenism would end in our lives. The trajectory of our lives and our worship would become deeper as we come to the cross today. We were forgiven because he was condemned. We were accepted because he was rejected. We're alive and well because he died. When the correlation of those two things come into a beautiful confluence, that's when we begin to truly worship in spirit and truth. That's when we begin to understand the ritual of the church. Whether you go to a Catholic church or whether you go to a Methodist church, whether you come here, doesn't matter what form, you begin to respect the liturgy that lifts Jesus high. You understand why that's there, why it's sacred. And today, as we close today, my invitation to you is, will your worship become sacred in your life? Will the cross and your worship be correlated forever? Because that's what we'll be unpacking for all eternity. The depth of our selfishness and the depth of God's kindness. Father, we come before you this afternoon. We thank you for your patience in our lives. Thank you that you love us with endearment even though we're so stubborn, so slow sometimes. A lot of us think we know when we don't know. We think we see when what we see is just peripheral.
Thank you for being so good and kind and patient and everlasting and steadfast to finish the work you began in us that you started. Isn't that good news? Every time my kids act up, I can't say anything to them because I've done the same things. And the father reminds me, you were a bit worse. And your parents were so good. And I go, God, you're right, but I still don't like it. That's how amazing God's grace is. Can you imagine the amazing people my parents were as they followed Christ? I mean, and God is a billion times more kind to us. If you're running from God, you're rebelling, don't. Run to Him. There is not this a safer place than at the center heart of God where you will find acceptance, healing, forgiveness. You could find anywhere else better than any drug, better than any relief, any, anything else. Father, I pray that the maladaptive behaviors in our life that we choose to run from the pain and the coping mechanisms that we've developed, God, to find peace and solace in our life would be turned in and we would run to you, our refuge, our Father, and our Creator. He is waiting for you today. God's enough for you. Will you bow your heads for the benediction? May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forever. All God's people say, Amen. God bless you. Go in peace. Stay dry. Hey everyone, we just have some community news for you as we end our podcast today. We want to invite you to join us for our Sunday service. We meet at the AMC Lowe's Theater at 19th and Broadway in Manhattan at 12 noon, and we'd love to see you guys there. We also have a prayer text hotline where you can send your prayer requests. It's available at 5397-PRAYER and at prayer at 180church.tv. In the midst of life, if you need prayer, our team is available to lift you up in your struggles, and we're always there for you. You can check out our Bible reading group online at 180brg.tumblr.com and on Instagram as well at 180brg. And it's a great resource for being grounded in God's Word and really plugging God's Word into our daily lives. You can also find us online through our Instagram page at 180church and our church website at 180church.tv. And lastly, if you'd like to make an offering, you can do so electronically at our website at 180church.tv. 